Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Let me read all 17 verses. Who is like the wise and, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what it is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has a power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no, no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Because a sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out, even though a wise man claims to know he cannot find it out. Ecclesiastes. A book uh, where the word vanity is found some 34 times. The word vanity simply means uh, a vapor, a breath. Um, it has the idea, tries to capture the idea of it's something that is elusive, almost like a mist in the air. You cannot grab it. You cannot control it. Life is vanity. Some of your t translations will say, Life is meaningless. So in this vain life, chapter 8, our author, I believe King Solomon, is asking the question, who is wise? Who is wise? Well, again, last week we talked about wisdom. Wisdom is, um, is, is knowledge that is applied. So I'll give you an example. Uh, this morning, um, I... Uh, Actually, if, if I look funny today, it's because of Lynn. Because I actually said, Lynn, does this, does this shirt go with these pants? You think, you know, blue and black should work. It should be easy decision. But for me, those are hard decisions. Because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge when it comes to style or, or color tastes. I, I just have no knowledge. So anytime you see me out in public and I don't match, it's because I got out before Lynn saw me. Okay? 
But Lynn has that knowledge, and she knows how to apply it. She knows how to put it together. The wisdom is, 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 is applying knowledge. And so in this vain life, in this life that is elusive and can't control, in this life that, is, that, that, that disappears rather quickly, who is the wise? Who is like the wise? And, and, and as I look at this particular text, I, I, um, I, I see Solomon is, is saying, this is how the wise live under human authority, and under heavenly authority, okay? So in this text, we're going to see how, how a wise person lives under human authority in his context, a king, but then also how does a wise person live under heavenly authority? Let's begin by looking at how the wise person lives, functions, acts under human authority. In verse 1, it says, who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? Immediately, uh, a, an Old Testament mind would go back to Joseph who could interpret a dream or would go ahead to Daniel who could interpret a dream and both of them were seen as wise. Now, both of them understood that their interpretations came from God, but uh, they were wise. Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? Who is like Joseph? Joseph was under Pharaoh. Who, is, who, who are they? I think the second part of that verse, he's, he's, he's answering his question. He says, a man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. Now, you might be thinking, as, you, as I did when I first read that, that what, what Solomon is saying is a wise person has got a happy face. But what's interesting, in, in Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18, he actually says something similar, different, the opposite. He says, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And, and then in chapter 7, verse 3, we read these words, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. So it seems like he's contradicting himself. And what I think the author is saying, Solomon is saying, that a wise person in the presence of a king will put on a happy face, will put on a, a face of um, a joy, because he doesn't want to show that he disapproves or he disagrees with the king. Human authority back then was a little different than, than, than it is today. They weren't quite so easy and quite so readily to disapprove of the king's decision or thoughts in the presence of a king because often they would be off with the head. So who is like the wise? Who is like Daniel? Who is like Joseph in the presence of the king? Well, his wisdom makes his face shine even when his heart face is hardened. Even when he's wise enough to know that this life is filled with great sorrow, he puts on a, on, on a, on a happy face in the presence of the king. Now, is, is our author telling us a lie? Is our author telling us to put on a mask? I don't think so. He's just saying in that context, this is a wise way to live. How else does our author tell us it's wise to live under human authority? Our author says in verse 2, I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. The same author, Solomon, writes in Proverbs chapter 24 something very similar. 
Proverbs 24, verses 21 and 22, just listen. My son, fear the Lord and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows a ruin that will come from them both. Fear the Lord and the king. Uh, Solomon puts those two together. The Apostle Paul actually tells us in Romans chapter 13 that, um, let me just read what he says. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, for those who resist will incur judgment. So a wise person, our author Solomon is saying, will actually understand that those in authority over us have been put there by God himself. Now, Paul actually makes that statement when Nero is the emperor of Rome. Nero is the one who is responsible for putting Paul to death. He's responsible for killing all kinds of Christians. But Paul, in his, his understanding of God's control and God's sovereignty, understands that Nero was placed there for a reason and for a purpose. And those under his authority are called to submit and to listen and to obey. Too often in our democratic world, which I'm thankful for, we as Christians actually only praise and, and, and are glad of a leader when we like them or when they meet our needs. But the scriptures tell us that we're to obey, we're to respect all of those in authority over us, whether we agree with them or not. That does not mean we cannot speak out against them in our context. It's different than under the king, right? We don't have to wear a mask. We can thankfully speak our mind, but we are called to obey. Now, our author also says the wise person um, under human authority uh, not only will obey the king, but he will know the proper time, he or she will know the proper time when it's right to disobey the king. Where do I get that? Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Take a look at some of the things he says um, in there. For the word of king, verse 4, for the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although a man's trouble lies heavy on him. I, I Go back to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness even there was wickedness. And I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. Elsewhere in Scripture, in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, uh, we have this picture of the disciples saying, you know what, uh, you, you tell us we're supposed to do this, but they say, Acts 5, 29, we must obey God rather than man. We have the story of Esther, Queen Esther. She's not supposed to go into the presence of the king because the king hasn't called for her, but she goes into the presence of the king against the law because her people are in peril. 
and, 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 and because of wisdom, she drives, she goes and does what's wrong and what's against the law, and she, and, and she has the people of God praying that it will go well with her. But before she goes, she cries out, if I perish, I perish. It may cost her her life, but she is, she is understood and wrestled with, is this the proper time to say the king is wrong? So we're called to obey the king and we're called to submit to the king's authority. We're supposed to be wise in the presence of the king. But we also, when we, when we disapprove of the king, there is a proper time and a proper way. The wise will know the proper time. The wise will obey the king. The wise will at times hide his disapproval and his disagreement. But then I think our text moves in a different direction starting in verse 10. I think, I think what our, te- our author is trying to do is, how does a wise act under heavenly authority? And why do I say that? Look at verse 12. In verse 12, Solomon writes these words, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God. And so our, our authors actually has this picture that God is actually in control. And even though it may look like things are out of control, that life is meaningless, that life is vain, that the, the, the ones who are not just are actually are getting, getting good rewards. He says, you know what? I know that God is in control, and I know that it will be well with those who fear God. Look at um, verse 15. Look what he says. And I commend joy for man has, has nothing better under the sun but to eat and to drink and be joyful. For this will go well with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. He has this picture, this understanding that God has given him life and that God has given him his, his food, his drink, even his toil. All of those things are, are, are his because God has graciously given it to him. Look then at uh, verse 16 of chapter 8. Or 17, I'm sorry. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is under the sun. However much man may toil and seek, and he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know it, he cannot find it out. In in that verse, he has this picture, our author saying, yes, this world is seemingly vain, seemingly meaningless, seemingly elusive. It is a vapor. But in that context, he goes, then I saw all the work of God. What am I trying to get at? King Solomon, as he's writing this book, he says things that are, are, are often actually, they, 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 they're, they're kind of shocking. It's just like, oh my goodness, he said that? You can, you can say that? Honestly say that? Life is meaningless? He does. He says things such as that. But he says that with an understanding that there is a God who's in charge, who's in control. Solomon is not a secularist. Solomon is not one who sees God on the fringe of society or sees God uh, not even there. God sees, he sees God as in control of all things. And even though it doesn't look like it, he sees that God is in charge. And with that in mind, he lives as if God is in charge. Look how he does it. 
How does a wise live before God? We see in, in verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do the evil. Let me read that again. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Solomon in this text has been talking about those who are righteous and and get a seemingly unjust reward, and those who are unjust are wicked, and they seemingly get a righteous reward, maybe long life. And he's wrestling with these things. These things bother him. They trouble him. They keep him up at night. But in that context, he also goes, you know what? The reality is none of us are righteous. A wise person recognizes that not a one of us is righteous. Now, now, truth is, most of you are better than me. But that's not how God works. It's not, we're not judged on a scale. We're compared to him who is perfect. And there is no one righteous, no, not one, Romans says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And a wise person who's living under this heavenly authority recognizes that they too are unrighteous and have fallen short. That's really important. Because if we walk through life thinking that we're owed something or when, when hardships come and we think, well, my goodness, we deserve better. The truth is we don't deserve better. And Solomon begins and says, one of the things a wise person does is he's living under this authority. He begins to realize he admits his own wicked heart. But secondly, I want you to notice in verse 12, a wise person trusts God. A wise person trusts God. Look at verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. Now, we don't use the language of fear too often. And, and the language here is not so much a servile fear as it is a fear of, it, there's, a, there's an awe and a respect for God. But there is a sense of like, uh, there is a sense in here where I'm scared. So when I was a kid, if my dad says, Elroy, I want you to clean the garage after work or after school, make sure you clean the garage. And then my buddies say, hey, Elroy, let's go play football in the park. And if I, if I go and do what my buddies told me to do, what happens? What, what am I saying? I, I, what I'm saying is that I'm fearing my friends and their opinion more than I fear my dad and his opinion. Usually that got me in trouble. I trusted that what they were saying was actually going to give me life more than what my dad was saying was going to give me life. And usually by the time supper came around, and I, I learned that, 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 that I was wrong. It, to, to fear God is to trust him, to trust in what he said, to trust in he, what he's promised. Now, in this text, the, the Solomon is saying, you know what, I'm looking, and, 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 and I'm beginning to realize that there are those who are obvious sinners, and their life is being prolonged. 
And so all my experience tells me that it's okay to do wrong. That's what he's saying. But then he says, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God. I know that it will be well with those who trust God. I know this. How does he know this? He doesn't tell us here. But this is Solomon, probably about 958 B.C. Solomon comes on the heels of that great nation that uh, Jeff was telling us about. That great nation that was promised to Abraham. God said to Abraham that he... that. That through him, he says, I, he says, through him, through you, I will make you into a great nation. And he did that. Solomon was now the leader of that great nation. God had said to Abraham that through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Solomon was a leader when all the nations were coming to Jerusalem. He was witnessing what God had promised. He'd seen that God does what he says. God not only told Abram that, he told Abram's son Isaac that. And then he told Isaac's son Jacob that. Who was, Jacob was a scoundrel. And yet he says, Jacob, you know what? I am the God of Abraham and I am the God of Isaac. And I'm going to be with you and through you I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says that in Genesis um, chapter 28. That was crazy. But not only did God make that promise to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, but God had made a promise to, 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 David, to Solomon's father, David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we have this incredible, beautiful, amazing promise that God gives to David. 2 Samuel 7 And he says a number of things to David. Basically, he says, David, your offspring will be on the throne forever. And and he says to David in verse 15, he says, my steadfast love will not depart from him. That's what God said to David about Solomon and about his offspring. Now, ultimately, he was talking about Jesus, but God makes a promise to David and Solomon as he's looking at the world around him and he's beginning to realize that you know what this guy as wicked as he is his life is being prolonged and I can point to three or four other people who who are far more righteous and their life isn't prolonged and he's wrestling with this but he goes I know that those who fear God it will be well with them he trusts A wise person puts his trust, his confidence in God and what God has said. We have Job, Job who lost everything. It was Job who says in Job 13, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's a wise man. And how about Jesus? Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Listen to these words. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. And although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. 
Jesus in the moment in the garden of Gethsemane as he's crying out to God and he's crying, God, your will be done, not my will. He goes to the cross. Great pain, great sorrow, great suffering. But he put his trust and his confidence in his father. Not in his circumstances. A wise man trusts in God. Now, I, I'm, I don't, don't get me wrong. I struggle with trusting him. I really do. When, when it looks like everything's falling apart around me, I, I, I really do struggle. Why, why at the beginning of the service did I tell you I've been hiding in my heart? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what God says. Why do I need that verse? Why do I hide that verse in my heart? Why do I, in the middle of the night, when I wake up and I'm struggling with trusting God, because I see the stuff around me and I'm going, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Because I need to remind myself who God is, what has God said, and I need to hang on to those promises. There are some nights I get up two, three times in the middle of the night and remind myself of what God has said. And then I go back to God with them and say, Lord, this is what you have said. Though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. Regardless if I perish, that's okay. I'm going to trust you. But I don't do that well. I think Solomon's teaching us how to live wisely in this world under a heavenly authority. Thirdly, I want you to notice that a wise person lives well under, under a heavenly authority when he begins to realize that everything is that he has is a gift from God. And, and, and so he takes these things gratefully. I think that's what he's doing in verse 15. And I commend joy for man. is nothing better under the sun but to eat and to drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his, in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. That too often in our world, we think that all of life ought to be about pleasure and, and it should be just filled with a lot of happiness and a lot of like just... That's what life should look like. But the reality is life doesn't really always look that way. Sometimes a doctor is going to tell you, some, if they haven't already, they will. They'll give you bad news. Sometimes you'll get a phone call and a friend of yours that you love and care for is suddenly gone. You get to my age, you're going to, you're going to see more and more of that. This life is filled with sorrow and pain. It, it, it is. There's no, there's no two ways about it. But in the midst of those, those sorrows and pains, God has given us things. You can tell I like to eat. It's a gift from God. Not my ability to eat. I guess that is too. But the, the food that God gives is a gift from the Lord. But do we pause long enough and say, Lord, thank you. The other day, our, our son in, in Kentucky calls, and, and, and he was just thrilled. He was, just, he, he, was, he was enjoying his studies. He was enjoying his, his new friendships. Uh, uh, it, was just, it was just neat to sit and hear him, him talk. You, you, many of you know Josh. He doesn't talk a lot, so when he talks, that's, that's a gift. 
But he was so happy. And we were like, Lord, thank you. That was a, that, that's a gift. Thank you for that. Thank you for that moment. Thank you for that phone call. Thank you for our son. Our life is filled with these gifts that God has given us. And do we pause long enough and are we wise enough to go, oh my goodness, you are good, Lord. I've shared with you the story when Lynn's cancer was diagnosed and uh, we were at, at rock bottom probably for about two days and then, then for whatever reason in that hospital room as the sun was coming up and we could see the, the city skyline and we were looking out the window and we just, we just held hands for whatever reason. I don't know who started it, but we just started just saying, Lord, thank you for this and thank you for this and thank you for this. And, and, our, and, and, and our, whole, our circumstances didn't change, but our whole world changed. wise person recognizes that there is a God and is incredibly grateful for what God has given. But then verse 16, when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep, then I saw all the work that God, of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man t- may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. What's he saying there? He says, it doesn't matter how wise, how smart, how brilliant you are, you will not really understand the ways of God. And I think a wise man just admits that. Or a wise woman just admits it. Lord, I I don't understand. I don't get it. That's humility. Now, there there are things we are certain about. We do know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. We do know what God has promised. God has said certain things, and we know those things to be true. And we we can be adamant about those things. But as we're told in Deuteronomy 29, 29, there, there are certain things that we cannot know, that we do not know. Listen to what Moses said. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There are things that we can know because God has shown us. He's revealed them. But there are things we don't know. But you know what? Often in life, it's, 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 it's a whole lot easier, maybe wiser, go, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get this. I, I, I can't make sense of this, but just admitting it. And then I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. So a wise person lives under the human authority, and there's certain ways that he does that. One is obeying the king, and the other is, is knowing the proper time to, to disobey the king. But a wise person also lives wisely under the authority of heaven, under the authority of God. He admits his own weakness. She trusts in God, and he gratefully receives God's gifts, and she is always humble. 